Welcome to a self-published author's diary. I am Elodie Novodatsky. I write about first time, second chances, things that scare the crap out of me and things that make me laugh out loud. I'll be speaking with you and sharing my adventures in self-publishing, the behind the scenes of writing and the business side of it. And before we get started today, a small message from our sponsor, Anchor. Thanks for listening. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are listening to this podcast or this podcast episode. Today, as I'm recording this, it is Thursday, October 21st, and in my current time zone, it is 7 p.m., so much, much later than I usually record my podcast. I usually record it in the mornings, and so right now it's not the morning, it's 7 p.m. I am on holidays this week and I will be on holidays next week as well. So next week, um, there will be no brand new episode. I might put an older episode up, but there will be no brand new episode next week. This week, I am just going to give you a very quick update of where I'm standing in my current revision and in my current business plan that I'm working on. And I will share with you the first few minutes of the audiobook Simi Simi Not, which is a YA thriller narrated by Megan Carter. And again, if you would like to know more about Megan, I have two interviews with her. I have one which is totally focused on her as an audiobook narrator. And I have another one where we focus more on her as a writer and how her theater background and her theater work and her work as an audiobook narrator may sometimes influence her writing and it's I find I find it fascinating. So if you want to listen to those episodes, there are a few episodes back. Just look for Megan Carter and then you will find them. So when it comes to work this week, I haven't done a whole lot. I am still working, as I mentioned, I'm on holidays and I don't have anything coming up. Like I don't have anything, what I mean, I don't have anything coming up. I have a lot of things coming up, but I don't have anything coming up in the next few days. And I don't have any set deadlines that are in the next few days. So the only things right now that I really have to focus on and work on are on the business side of thing, the French translation of The Leftover Bride, because my translator has finished the translation and I have to finish going through it, pay her the last milestone and then set up the next step of that particular project. I have not done any ads for it. I have, but I haven't done any recent ads for it, I should have said. And that's not something I'm going to work on right now. Like this week, I will definitely not be working on more ads I might next week if I have a little bit of time but this is again not anything that I have a set urgency on and I kind of managed to have this time without having any deadlines looming over my head and so what I've been doing during this time also is like in addition to enjoying my holidays is also like I've been you know, taking walks and I've been walking outside. I've been tasting different foods. I've been just um, soaking in 
also the quiet in a way, even though I've been very, very busy, like it's, I've been very busy in the past week, but it's, it's nice to not always be on the go when it comes to my work right now. It's, uh, you know, breaks are needed in terms of writing, um, even though I do get the urge of writing when I take breaks. But it's nice to also just be enjoying this time, not writing. As as I'm saying that, I'm going to have the feeling of like, oh, but I really should be writing. And I will when I have the time right now. And I will enjoy this moment of writing in a different mindset, I think. We'll see. I'll let you know. I'm excited to go back to all my projects. This is something that I'm I'm very much looking forward to. I am excited to go back to Swan's Cove and I'm excited to get back to Gavard City. But yeah, right now it's just basically me on holidays talking to you. This is what's happening in my self-published life right now. Not scheduling any writing time per se. This week, that was not the priority. So, yeah. So, as I've mentioned and I've mentioned last week, here's a little preview of the audiobook Simi Siminot, narrated by Megan Carter. Chapter 1. Melly. The circle protects you from evil. The circle's book of truth. Rule 9. Evil doesn't sleep, doesn't rest, doesn't forget. Jeremiah uses his soothing voice despite the threatening reminder that evil surrounds us, ready to pound on us and test us. The Book of Truth, the only book I'm allowed to read, reminds us that the circle will be there for us. The circle is made of love and understanding. The circle waits for us. We will join them as soon as Master Abram believes us to be ready. We will be cared for and saved. Jeremiah is much taller than me and not as skinny but he's almost graceful as he slides next to me, so close that our shoulders touch. Evil doesn't sleep, doesn't rest, doesn't forget, he says again, and I know what the next step is. I repeat after him, evil doesn't sleep, doesn't rest, doesn't forget. We use these words as a mantra, as a lullaby, as a good night prayer. Master Abram talked to me. He warned me he whispers, as if Master Abram is listening to us, and gently turns my chin to him. His fingers are warm and smell like the basil he's growing outside. His feverish eyes bore into mine. They're close. You know what you need to do. I nod and we stand. Jeremiah's eyes dart from the small table standing in the middle of our only room to the door, like he's expecting people to march through and tear us apart. Maybe he's worried Master Abram will storm in and shout at us like he often does. Last time, he yelled at Jeremiah for bringing me an old copy of Anne of Green Gables. I'd confessed to him it used to be my favorite book before being saved. Master Abram saw the book and slammed it on my face until my nose bled, forcing Jeremiah to watch. Evil nose. His hand touches my cheek quickly. A brief touch. My heart pounds. He's right. Evil nose. He pulls me closer to him. My head barely reaches his shoulder. His shirt smells clean and fresh, in contrast with the filthy blouse he brought me last week. Evil finds ways to test us. His mouth is close to my ear. 
He moves the old reddish carpet to the side and pulls the latch in the wooden floor right by the small table, revealing the place I've called home for several months. I won't let them kill you. His promise calms my erratic heart, but I still shiver. This place holds my darkest secrets. What I've done can never be undone. I know. I whisper back. Inch by inch, I slide down until my feet touch the uneven floor, a mix of dirt and gravel. It's too small for me to stand. I can barely sit without scraping my head against the ceiling. I lie down. The ground is hard against my back. Panic sends sweat running down my spine, and my fingers dig into the dirt. I force myself to pull air in, to push it out. The musty smell used to make me gag. I'm used to it now. I can do this. His hand touches my forehead. You trust me. It's not a question. He hands me a knife that I set beside me. My fingers brush the scar in my right wrist, a reminder that fighting Master Abram was stupid. Jeremiah saved me from the world, from Master Abram, and from myself. The first days and my fear of him are long gone. What about her? I croak. My mind fills with images of my sister dying. She needs to be saved, too, before it's too late, like it is for my parents. Master Abram told me over and over again they're beyond redemption. Even though they don't care about me like I thought they did, I still sometimes miss them, too. I promised you. I always keep my promises. He smiles his usual reassuring smile, even though Master Abram told him he needed to be harder on me. His eyes linger on me for a few seconds. They linger on my chapped and lying lips, on my reddened cheeks, on my terrified and yet hopeful gaze. They linger as if he's burning every feature of my face into his memory. He gives me an encouraging nod. And then he lowers the door. The latch clicks. Darkness surrounds me. I inhale deeply and then do the one thing that almost always calms me down. I sing the song he taught me years ago, the song we sometimes sing together, the song that reminds me I'm part of something so much more significant. We were lost, but then the circle found us. We were lost, but then the circle saved us. Chapter 2 Tessa My sister Melanie disappeared six years, two weeks, and three days ago. Last week was her 19th birthday, and our mobile home was still decorated with purple and pink balloons. Mom had gotten carrot cake at the store, and we sang happy birthday to an empty chair. Mom hasn't given up hope that we're going to find her alive. Her hope propels her forward. Every breath she takes is for Melanie. That's what she told Dad right before he left three years ago. You need to get help, Dad replied, then hugged me tightly, whispering in my ear, You can come with me. I can't, I whispered back tears tracking down my face. Dad cleared his throat several times as if he was fighting to keep control of his own emotions. I'll always remember the look on his face, stricken and resigned. Mom pops her head into my tiny bedroom. Tessa, I'm going to work. Her voice has the raspy tone of too many cigarettes. She quit ten times in the past six years. I've never smoked. It would be bad for my vocal cords and I need them to perform as well as possible. How late are you working today? I ask. Her shifts change often, sometimes because she decides at the last minute she needs to go home. 
Sometimes she realizes we really need more money. I'm scheduled until two, but I'm going to try to grab a late evening shift. She runs her fingers through a ponytail. Her hair, red like mine, is curly and still a bit wet from her shower. The circles under her light brown, sometimes almost green eyes seem deeper than yesterday. She probably spent another night talking to Miss Irma, the psychic of the stars and overall scam artist. The dark blue jeans that used to hug her curves hang on her. Her green shirt is wrinkled, but no one will see it under her uniform. The grocery store is the only job she's managed to keep, and only because they're flexible with her hours. Her eyes dart to the other side of the room, but they don't linger. If she gets lost in looking at Melly's pictures, she'll never get to work. I'll grab breakfast on my way out. She doesn't ask what I'll eat. She doesn't ask me about my important rehearsal today. She doesn't ask me anything. Instead, she twists her hands the way she does when she craves a cigarette and attempts a smile. Don't forget to take Buster out before you go to school. Our beagle Mick struts into my bedroom and jumps on my bed, wagging his brown and white tail. His full name is Buster Pippa of Gavert City, but I don't use his full name often, and I haven't used his second name in a very long time. Pippa Pippa is a star-fingered frog. One afternoon, Dad and I were watching TV when a documentary on amphibians came on. Buster was mesmerized by the frogs on screen, and when that particular frog came on, he wagged his tail and barked his happy bark, like he was trying to talk to the frog. Dad and I laughed and laughed and laughed. I haven't laughed like that in so long, and I haven't called him Pippa in forever. The last time was around the time when Mom forgot she had locked him in my bedroom and he had a little accident on my clothes. The weekend after, he was running outside, saw a frog, but instead of wagging his tail, he ran away from it like it was the scariest thing ever. Buster! I whisper with a smile and bring him closer to me for a cuddle, but he has other ideas and tries to slobber all over my face. I giggle at the way he tilts his head to the side when I push him away. It's his, I don't understand, I'm so cute, tilt. Look! I turn, knowing Buster can get a smile out of her, but she's already gone. I should be used to it. But like her, I'm a sucker for hope. Buster stretches and I rub his belly before standing and crossing the three steps to the other side of my room. Our mobile home is so much smaller than our old house. Dad chips in as much as he can, but psychics and charlatans are expensive. I inhale deeply, get a pair of boyfriend jeans and a black tank top from the small, overcrowded closet that holds both mine and Melanie's clothes her old ones and the few outfits mom buys for her every year, in case she comes back. The room smells like her, too. Her bubblegum perfume. Mom keeps a supply of it in the bathroom closet and sprays it on Melanie's pillow every day. Like every morning, I plop myself on her bed. Buster jumps next to me and lays his head on my lap. His big brown eyes are full of sorrows. Do they mimic mine? I run my hand over the bright purple comforter Melanie convinced my parents she had to have. Luke and I studied until late at the library last night. I imagine Melly smiling, teasing me about him being my first kiss ever. Luke's starting work at the Flying Pig tomorrow. I have to train him, show him how everything works. That means spending even more time with him. My eyes find the pictures from that summer on her wall. Luke and I grin at each other. It was his first summer at his uncle's and we became fast friends. We were ten years old and we were always thinking about ways to annoy our sisters. That day, we were about to put a frog in his sister's shirt. When he left without saying goodbye, I cried for hours. He had promised to send letters, and I never got any. I sent three to the address I had, 
but they all came back. Almost seven years later, he's back in Gavert City, back in my life, back in my heart. In the next picture, Melly's smile is bright and she has her arm around me. Both of our shirts are pink with the words, Sisters Forever. My throat tightens, but I keep on talking. I wonder if we'll ever be more than friends, or even true friends again. We both hold back. When we were ten, he wanted to be a magician. Now he wants to be a social worker, but when I asked him why, he closed up. As always, I stare at another picture of Melly, singing with a concentrated frown on her face. I miss you, I whisper. My heart squeezes and I blink rapidly. I stand and roll my head from one side to the other, calming down. I always miss Melly, but sometimes it's like that wave you don't expect when you're in the ocean. It rolls around you and brings you down, making it impossible to breathe. Simi Simi Not, narrated by Megan Carter. It's available right now for sale on Audible, and you can also do a free trial if you'd like, and iTunes and Amazon. Thank you as always so much for listening. And if you are a writer, happy writing. And to everyone, happy, happy reading.